Broadcasting live worldwide. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Here is your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner. I'm always delighted. Always a treat to have Dr. Tevi Troy with us. He is not only a presidential historian, and he's a former White House aide, a former Jewish liaison. Uh, he's written quite a few books. His latest one is called Fine House, Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump. But he's always writing fascinating articles, and his latest one is called Live Near Hipsters, Vote Like Mormons, A New Study Charts and Political Shifts Among Orthodox Jews. It was in the City Journal. Dr. Tevi Troy, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Zev. You know, there's this line by Milton Himmelfarb that summed up the Jewish vote for half a century. And the line was that Jews live like Episcopalians but vote like Puerto Ricans. And it suggested that Jews were wealthier than your average Democratic voter, but they still voted Democrat like, like some of the uh, lower, lower income groups. What this new Pew study shows is that it is no longer the case. Regular Jews or non-religious Jews are, are still liberal, but they are in line with other people of their demographic characteristics, including Northeastern, secular, highly educated, and a secular education. Well, and so the way they vote is not at all surprising. But the Orthodox vote is the surprising part. And as I said, they live near hipsters. They vote like Mormons, meaning that they live in big northeastern cities, but they vote like Mormons or, or uh, I, I guess, Republicans or uh, you know, lower educated whites. That, that They vote in a different way than you would expect based on their demographic characteristics. And before I get to the Orthodox vote, you mentioned about the Jewish vote. And again, it was a famous line that Jews earn like Episcopalians and vote like Puerto Ricans. It's not that they've changed. I think the rest of the population in that category has has moved up to them. They haven't changed, but other people have caught up to that liberal standard. You can be very wealthy and still vote like, like Puerto Ricans. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the Episcopalians who changed, not the Jews. Correct, exactly. Right? If, you, if you meet someone who is wealthy, not religious, highly educated, and lives in Northeast, and they are not Jewish, you would expect and anticipate that person to vote Democrat today. That was not the case 20 years ago. So so we've seen a sea of change. Um, but what's fascinating, though, is the Pew Report, which just came out, which shows trends in the Jewish community, including the Orthodox Jewish community, is how the Orthodox Jewish community is on a class of its own within the greater Jewish community. What I did find interesting, and you noted in your article, is that there is, very, unfortunately, very little in common with an Orthodox Jew and a Reformed Jew. They really don't are not on the same page at all. Yeah, I don't know if there's very little in common. I think what the study shows is that they don't believe they have anything in common with each other. And only 9% of Orthodox Jews think that they have much in common with Reformed Jews, and a similar number for Reformed Jews and Orthodox Jews. And both of them said they have more in connection with Israeli Jews than the people of their own religion, their own country, but of different de denominations. I found that fascinating and problematic. Right, because it's, it's a shame, because the perception is in Israel you have an orthodox secular divide, 
in America, the belief was, as a belief that I have, is that you know while Orthodox Jews are certainly distinct and separate, but there's more in common with Reformed Jews because of the general culture. We have to be together because it's a general non-Jewish culture. What the Pew study shows, the perception is, and perception is reality, unfortunately, is that they feel they don't have much in common when I found that to be one of the most disturbing parts of the report. Yeah, and there was a, a sociologist named James Davison Hunter who made a point along these lines about 20 years ago when he said that in America, religious people, regardless of their religion, have more in common than non-religious people of the same religion. So a Orthodox Jew has more in common with a religious Muslim and evangelical Christian than they do with a liberal Episcopalian or a Reformed Jew. Well, listen, in a place like New York, you have a strong Orthodox, probably the largest Orthodox Jewish concentration in the United States is in the metro New York area. And look, you look and you see the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, like the Good Is of America, work together for the cow. You don't find reform groups and Orthodox groups working together, but you do find the Catholic Church and the Good Is of America, for example, fighting for tuition credits for parochial schools. Yeah, and my friend Nathan Diamond of the Orthodox Union, he's constantly making alliances with the Catholic groups and the evangelical Christian groups, so he's often working together with those people. Now, the interesting part is is that the Pew Report has shown how the Orthodox Jewish community has grown as an overall percentage of the Jewish population. You know, I always heard the number 6 million, but I believe the Pew Report shows there are about 7.5 million Jews in America. Yeah, it seems like there's a range. It was hard to tell from what the definitive number is, but it looks like a low of 6 million and a high of 7.8 million. So there is, is a range. But as you know, there's also different definitions of who's Jewish. That was and my next question, because people, how you define Jewish, because if you take a more right. liberal standard, you can have 20 million people that are Jewish. Right. I mean, people with Jewish blood is probably higher than 10 million would be my guess. But uh, you can have people who consider themselves Jewish and they eat bagels and maybe they even light Hanukkah candles, but they may not be halachically or religiously Jewish according to Orthodox standards. And that, that's another issue that, that's coming up. Now, certainly. Now, let's look at the growth, especially in the young people. That's where the numbers are the greatest growth of the Orthodox population since the last time the Pew Report issued uh, its findings. Yeah, that's super interesting. And remember, the last time was not that long ago. It was 2013. And in 2013, 11% of Jews under 30 were Orthodox. That's kind of in line with what the population was at the time, 10% Orthodox. Today, however, 17% of Jews under 30 are Orthodox. That's a huge growth, six percentage points in only seven years. That means that, that the percentage or the rate of Jews that are Orthodox or, or, or who are under 30 who are Orthodox went from one-tenth of the population to one-sixth of the population in only seven years. Which is amazing because, thank God, you have so many kids, especially in the Haredi community. You can have 10 or 15 kids, so that number each generation grows. And I'm not a mathematician or a statistician, but certainly that would mean that you have a tremendous amount of growth. So every number of years you're going to see uh, where you're the Orthodox Jewish community can be a much stronger force. I think according to the polls, the conservative Jewish movement is pretty much dwindling, but the biggest denomination is still reform with Orthodox Jews not that far behind. Yeah, but you know what was growing the most, according to this study, is unaffiliated Jews, Jews who have no connection. The nuns are not so, affiliated, right. I'm so it's really the two poles. There's uh, Orthodox Jews are growing and completely unaffiliated Jews are growing among the young people, and that is that is somewhat disturbing. Now, good news for you, I'm sure, because you've been involved in Republican 
party politics all these years. You served uh, President Bush. You were a Jewish liaison. So now, while American Jews tend to be more democratic and liberal, and that hasn't changed over the course of time, but what has changed is the amount of Orthodox Jews that now either are Republicans or identified with the Republican Party. Yeah, this just validates the strategy that people like myself and Jeff Balaban, Jay Lefkowitz have been talking about for 20 years, which is the bulk of the American Jewish community is not going to vote with Republicans. But you can make huge gains by by targeting the Orthodox Jewish vote. And it used to be this kind of thing where, well, the Orthodox vote sometimes goes Republican. But now it seems to be it's consistently Republican and it's a community that Republicans can rely on. Now, when you say consistent Republican, I would say that's probably more on a national level, on a local level. Uh, I think Democrats do very well, especially in New York. Yeah, well, in New York, Maryland, where I live, I know a lot of people who are conservative minded, who want to vote for Republican presidents, but they are registered Democrats because it makes no sense to vote in the Republican primaries because the the election decision is effectively made in the Democratic primaries because these are heavily Democratic areas. In my own neighborhood of Kent Mill, I vote in the Republican primaries, but there's no point to it because those people never have a chance. And so I know plenty of conservative people who are red because they want to be able to help shape the Democratic nominees and make them a little more reasonable and a little less socialist. All right. So what did you find the most interesting part of this whole pure report? So a, a couple of things. I mean, I've highlighted some of them already in this interview, and people can go to City Journal and see my whole piece. But one thing that it talked about is the overall intermarriage rate among Jews is about 48%, which didn't shock me. But the Orthodox intermarriage rate is 2%, which is lower than I thought it was. I always knew it was low. I didn't realize it was quite that low. So intermarriage in the Orthodox world is effectively not happening which you know, is, a good, is, a, is a good thing. And then the other thing is just the rapidity of the growth of under 30 Jews who are Orthodox, again, from 11% to 17% in only a six-year period. But I think with as far as with the intermarriage, I think the difference might be, and I hear stories, some Orthodox, you know, boys or girls that do intermarriage, but what happens is I believe that they tend to insist on Orthodox conversion, to have one that marries somebody out of the faith completely without the sans conversion, I think that's more of a rarity. They insist or their parents insist, but yes, I take the point. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, right. I'm sure it's very small in comparison in general, but when an intermarriage does happen, um, the spouse is converted according to Jewish law, according to halakha, so therefore it wouldn't be considered an intermarriage, at least by the pew standard. I, I, w- I would assume that. Let's just put it this way. If a reform friend of yours told you that their child was intermarrying, you'd say, okay, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But if an Orthodox friend of yours told you that their child was intermarrying, that would shock you. And that's, I mean, that, that is just reflective of, of the reality of what's going on. The Unfortunately, I, of- I, 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 know, I know a couple of cases of uh, the, where that has happened. It's few. Right, but you're surprised in each one. Absolutely. And you know what? The parents are surprised too. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just, you know, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was in Poland, a number of years ago, I ended up there was there was a town, a Chesnikova, where they had like a third of the population was Jewish before the war. I was there. They had a dedication of the Umschlag Plaza, where they uh, 
sent Jews to, the, to their deaths in concentration camps. So I met a young fellow. And there were people there who, who originally were from that neighborhood, from that community, and they came to connect. So I met a young man. I think it was Denmark or Sweden. And I said, why are you here? He goes, I'm here to connect with my past. I hear my father. My grandfather was from here. And then where I was talking, he goes to, I forgot which school or college uh, in Sweden. And I asked him, are you going to marry a Jewish girl? And he goes, absolutely not. And I said, why not? He said, well, it's not important to my parents. It's not important to me. So I said to him, forgive me for asking you this question. You came on this trip to connect to your Jewish past, your father, your grandfather, but you have no Jewish future. So he said to me, well, you know, so he said, at least I have his stories. I try to tell him they're beautiful girls in Israel. Maybe you should go to Israel. (laughs) But the truth, if it's not important to your parents, then why should it be important? It's a powerful argument, at least in the case of the Orthodox community. uh, You have where it's important to the parents so the kids know it. So that's why in those rare cases they will convert. And it's even rare when they don't convert. Yeah, look, my mother, Aleya Hashalom, she and my mother passed about a year ago. She was just adamant on the point that we had to marry Jewish. And she is she was not Orthodox, and she had eleven Jewish grandchildren, which is a real accomplishment in if you're growing up in the non Orthodox community or if you live in the non Orthodox world. That's a really big deal. It it really is it really is a big deal. So overall, I think it's it shows sadly the state of American Jews, but the only beacon of hope and light is in the Orthodox Jewish community. Well, I, I don't know about hope and light is a little metaphorical, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the area of growth, it's, yes, the Orthodox community is growing, and they are, for those who are Republican-inclined or conservatively-inclined, uh, that is where the conservative Jewish voters are in the, in the Orthodox world. Now, your headline was is that the Orthodox Jews uh, live near hipsters and vote like Mormons. Now, did the, it's, what's interesting is that the hipsters are moving into the Orthodox neighbors like Williamsburg. Yeah. The Orthodox haven't moved into the hipster neighborhoods. I think right. it's the other way around. Uh, for some reason, yeah. they, they, they find great real estate value. Once they move in, the, the Hasidim can't afford to be there anymore. Right. But look, I, I was consciously echoing the famous Milton Himmelfarb line. And the Himmelfarb line was accurate for half a century, but is no longer descriptive of what's going on. And this new line that I came up with, which is they live near hipsters, but they vote like Mormons, really reflects the reality in the Orthodox Jewish community where their demographic characteristics kind of differ from what the expectations would be, whereas in the larger Jewish community, the the secular or the non-religious Jews, their demographic characteristics completely and exactly match what you would expect them to do, meaning they're a wealthy, highly educated, secular population, and they vote liberal like the rest of the non-Jewish, wealthy, secular, uh, highly educated populations do. Before I let you go, you mentioned that the, the, uh, what I saw at Hillman Farb is that the that the Episcopalians caught up, you know, to the Jews. The Jews have been pretty steady. They the liberals have been stayed liberals, and even they had a lot of money, they voted Democratic, and they still have the same liberal values. They haven't become Republicans, and the Orthodox Jews have pretty much stayed the course as well. But what I found fascinating it was a study that came out in New York. I believe it was an Empire study that showed the more wealth and education that one had in the non-Jewish world the less they like Jews, so they sympathize more right. with Black Lives Matter than the Hasidic Jews having a funeral in Brooklyn. They have to support the BLM rally, but oppose the Hasidic funeral. I found it well, I'll tell you something about what's going on in uh, American college campuses these days. The wealthiest, the highest educated people are, are being kind of infected with this woke perspective that is hostile to Jews, 
on the domestic front, but also hostile to Israel. And we're seeing that play out, unfortunately, in the conflict in Israel right now. Right, because you have all the woke and you have the intersectionality where if you're going to be liberal, you have to be liberal on all fronts and support Palestinians and support whatever rights that they're, they're Black Lives Matter, etc. So right. it's something which I know young Jews who are liberal have to confront because if, if you're pro-Israel, you have trouble being pro-Israel in that context. Right, and Jews have no claim on intersectionality in their paradigm. Right, exactly. So Jews are left us. Either you could take, either you you swallow the whole enchilada, or you're in trouble. You right. Could... Anyway, what's your next article going to be about? Uh, I'm writing something about reasons for optimism. It should be out next week, and uh, after the Jewish holiday, I'll I'll send it to you, and we can talk about. It. Wonderful. I recommend that people see your interesting piece, uh, which Thank in you. the City Journal is called "Live Near Hipsters, Vote Like Mormons," and you studied charts of political shifts among Orthodox Jews. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to having you back. All right. Thank you, and uh, have a great holiday. You too, Dr. Tevi Toy. Troy is a presidential historian, former White House aide. Latest book is "Fine House Rivalries in the White House from Truman to Trump." We're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. This concludes Talkline's Jewish broadcasts on radio for tonight. For continuous Jewish programs, please go now to talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com.